I'm so grateful because uh, God was able to open a door yesterday that I really thought was almost completely closed. Um, uh, yesterday uh, at night, God opened a door uh, for me to uh, first, you know, get his Holy Spirit in me completely because um, my cousins uh, had asked me their um, their father, which is my godfather, which really he's like my second father, third father, because uh, he raised me when my father wasn't there. Um, his foot is really, really bad. It was uh, turning black in places, and he would not go to the hospital. He was in denial that he's getting better, and he was just, he did not want to go to the hospital. So with tears in their eyes, my cousins said to say, come with us. You, he'll listen to you. He, will, he won't listen to us. Come with us. So, of course, I was like, in my own strength, I will not. I will break down probably, start crying. But in God's strength, I will be able to do anything. So I was praying in the car right before I walked into the door. You know, I was just like, oh, God, just Holy Spirit, just come in. And, um, and I believed that his heart was going to be, you know, just receive. And so I went there after two hours. He, he decided, okay, I'll go to the hospital. And he went, and I'm so grateful that it was just right there at that time because if, he, if we would have waited a little bit longer, he could have lost his whole foot. Uh, that's, the, that's the news right now that, that I got this morning that, you know, he, he, he's going to lose a part of his foot, but he's not going to lose the, the whole foot. And I'm just so grateful because he's a diabetic, so he it could have been so much worse. And I'm just so grateful. And this, and this scripture right now just, just spoke to me. And, and uh, it's in Psalms 147. He says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So I'm believing that not only the foot will be healed, but his atheistic heart that will be healed and restored and just be brought down in Jesus' name. That's what I'm believing for. Yes. So uh, let's come together and pray. Heavenly Father Jesus, I thank you, Father Jesus, for being with us, Father Jesus, when we need you the most, Father. We just call on your name, Jesus. That's all we need, Father Jesus. You come in us, and we are not, we are not ourselves. We are, we are superpower, supernatural power in us of the Holy Spirit. Father Jesus, I ask you right now that you be in every single person right now, Father Jesus, that they feel that they cannot do anymore in their own strength. They just have to call on your name, Father Jesus. That's all they need, Father. I just ask you right now that you just confirm that with them, every single one of them right now, Father Jesus, that they are loved and they, need, they don't need to earn anything. They just have to give it to you, Father Jesus. Their heart, their everything they want, Father Jesus, they, they just give it to you, Father. Jesus, you are awesome, Father Jesus. I give you glory. I give you all the praise, Father Jesus, because you are worthy. You are worthy, Father Jesus. You are worthy of it all, Father. I thank you for all this, Father Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Give him praise this morning, church. Come on. Let me sing this song.
Help me sing the greatest day. The greatest day in history. Where death is retained, you have rescued me. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. The empty cross. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out. Jesus is alive. Well, he's alive. Me sing. And oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. When I stand in that place, we'll free at last of meeting, we'll sing it out. I'm yours, Jesus, you are mine. Yeah. When there's joy and perfect peace. Every pain finally will see celebrate. Jesus is alive. Oh, well, He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, and I'll never be the same, forever I'm changed. We sing, oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. That you have saved me and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way, what a glorious way that you have, that you have saved me and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious day, what a glorious name, shout his name with Jesus. And oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never sing it out. And oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, and I'll never be the same. Come on, how many are changed by the glory of God? Come on, how many are changed because of Jesus? Oh, oh, what a beautiful day, Lord. What a beautiful day it is to be with you, to spend in your presence, Lord. So beautiful, Lord. It's a confession of our heart. So beautiful. We believe. We have faith this morning and believe that we are new. We believe in who you are, God. We believe in you. We believe in a living God. Come on, church. Amen. We believe in you. Yes, I believe. I believe in you. 
Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, the Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus we believe Lord our judge Judging our defender, suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious life. Forever seated high. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Shout it out, it's I believe you rose again. 
Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you bring the fullness. Oh, you bring the presence. Church, his presence is here. His presence is here. Oh, you bring the fullness. Oh, you bring the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Walk in the room. We wait for you.
the spirit this morning right now. Would you just begin to speak in tongues? Come on, pray in the spirit this morning. Sing that again. Let's sing that again. Sing it with your heart. Sing it, sing it with your heart, with all your soul. Unto God. Unto God. Every, every person in here. Unto God. God's about to do something in your life. God's about to do something personally in your heart.
God's about to fill you like never before. It is your time right now. This your moment has come to hunger for him right now. God's about to fill you. God's about to fill you. For those that don't, they are not filled with the Holy Ghost and have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues, God wants to fill you. Right now, I want to encourage you. Hunger for it. Hunger for the Lord. Cry out for that fullness. Cry out for that glory. God wants to pour it out. But how much is your heart, your soul, in it to want it? God wants his bride hungry. Oh, we're in need of you, Jesus. We want our lambs filled with oil. We want burn for you, Jesus. Come on, saints of God. Oh, tell the Lord, come, burn in me. God wants to fill you. If you don't know what we're doing for those that are our visitors, haven't experienced this before. Just trust in the Lord by closing your eyes to Jesus fill me. saying there is a lot more than what you think. There is a lot more of me. There is fullness. There is life. There is this freedom. There is this abundance of my spirit. Jesus said the rivers of living water will flow within you. Do you believe? Well, receive in Jesus' name. Receive. Come on, church. God wants to see hunger. God wants to feel you.
Hallelujah. We receive. Come on. Somebody else. If you have a word. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, God. Right now, we just take a few moments to just let your words, God, just undo the things from our hearts, oh God. To truly listen to what you have spoken to us. Come on, that's you. Just say amen. As I prepare a message, if I, as I speak a message of salvation to those that are here or watching through webcam that are not saved. And for those parents that have children in the sanctuary, we want to please ask if you can send your children towards the back sound booth as they go back in the back room and have their church time. Amen. I'm Pastor Berto, campus pastor here. And again, I want to speak to those that are here that you know, if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest in your heart that you're not saved, you have not accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have not repented of your sins. And for those that are watching through webcam as well, I want to share this scripture that is found in Luke, verse 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. At that time, He came as the Messiah, the King of the Jews. With love, 
healing, speaking the truth. And they crucified him. He was crucified. Jesus Christ was crucified for you, my friend, that is unsaved. He was crucified for your sins. He took a punishment that he did not deserve, but you deserve. Jesus Christ took a price that he did not deserve, but you deserve. It says in Psalms 24, verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You've been, you have been bought with a price. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. My own phrase said, my own phrase said, friend, you need to bow down to Jesus today ASAP. Not because I'm telling you, because Jesus Christ has done a great work for you. He has demonstrated his love to you. Before it's too late, I plead and I urge you to come to Jesus. He will forgive and he will redeem you if you ask for, for forgiveness. If you turn away from your sin. Just like the scriptures that he came to seek us. <laughs> come on, for the saints in here that have been saved, say hallelujah. Come on, for those that have tasted the, the life in Christ, say praise him. So if you can please stand, I just want to continue to minister to you. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself because one day you're going to face the Lord Jesus Christ. One day you're going to face him. He's given grace right now. He's given time. He's been patient for you to come to him. So I want to ask for you to repent because Jesus said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You've been bought with a price. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are not saved. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will convict their hearts. Oh God, you can only do the mighty work through the power of your Spirit, God, to just soften their hearts, to speak to them, Lord God. I come against the pride and the rebellious of the heart of man. Lord, we ask you to do your work, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If that's you and you have not accepted Christ Jesus, I want you to come up to Grisella and Lawrence. They will pray for you. You can open your hearts and be honest. I need Jesus Christ. <laughs> I haven't been living right. And God will give you that, that life, the new life in him and the Holy Spirit, amen. But you have to be honest, amen. Right now, let's confess. I want us to confess our, our confession of faith here. We do this because this is the Christian worldview. All the Christians around the world believe these, these, uh, these, these confessions we're going to make. So in the count of three, let's all go together. One, two, and three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all believers in Jesus.
I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Please greet one another. If, if you need prayer to accept Jesus in your life, please come up to these prayer workers. brochure so if you have not received one ushers please we got some visitors right around here thank you so much for joining us here at MPI we have two main services Sundays at 10 a.m. is our family service Fridays at 7 p.m. is our elevate youth service come on elevate amen and here's a quick announcement for you coming up next week here we have pastor boom boom Badonski coming in we got Boom, boom, Badonski. Come on, that's what I said. You got it right. Boom, boom, Badonski. He's coming. So he is an awesome friend of the church. He went to school with Pastor Joe. He's coming. He wants to come pour in. So it's going to be a powerful event. We're coming hungry. Are you guys hungry? You guys want more of Jesus? We're coming hungry. That's why we're coming at 10 a.m. and we're coming at 5 p.m. So please make sure to come. Come ready, expecting a word from the Lord, expecting God to do something amazing in your life so that's next week be here amen if you have any questions come talk to me so here at metro praise we got a vision somebody say vision this is what we're all about loving god 
loving people, the two greatest commandments. And we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. So we're not about membership. We don't have a card. We don't have something you do to become a member. We do discipleship. So the first thing that we do is connect. Make sure you're connected to Jesus Christ. He's Lord and Savior of your life. And after you get connected uh, to Christ, you want you to get connected to a life group. Somebody say life group. If you have your announcements as, as you're getting them right now, please take a look at the back of your announcements. There is a complete listing of life groups. We have so many things for people, anybody to do here at the church. We got something for our kids. We have something for single moms. We have something for marriages. We have something for people who want to sing. Somebody say sing. If you're in 201, that's a new life group I want to announce. If you're in 201, you're an elder or a deacon at this church, you are welcome to go and sing with Ishmael. Come on. There's something for everybody. So what is your heart desire? What is God doing in your life? Or where are you at in life? Find something that meets your need, meets your lifestyle. And so here's what's going on here this week. Today, we have the worship team happening here at the church right after church at 1230 with Ishmael. Then we got the single men's group going out for some frisbee and golf with Ishmael right there at 3 p.m. Talk to him if you have any questions. Marriage Life Group is going to have a picnic at the park at 5 p.m. And then single moms today at 5 p.m. are meeting with Pastor Lauren. So there's something for everybody today. So make sure you find something to do. And then Wednesdays, we got our King's Kids from ages infant all the way up to 11 years of age. Uh, our Royal Rangers and Impact Ministry is raising up our children to know the Word of God, to know who Jesus is. And then Friday, adult Bible study at my place. Come on with my husband. Happening at 7 p.m. Just going deep. God's word and prayer. It's powerful. And then Saturday, evangelism. Going out all over the city of Chicago. Sharing the good news. Actually, last night, they were supposed to go to the Taste. But they ended up in Wicker Park. Having a powerful time of just ministering to people. Just souls hungry for Jesus. So there's something for everybody. Somebody say life groups. After you get connected to a life, we want to make sure you get mentored that you know how to walk this walk with Jesus Christ. Mentors are good, don't you agree? And so we want you to join the one-on-one -on -one class with one of the elders or the deacons here at the church, meeting at a time that's convenient for you. And after you get mentored through the one-on-one, -on -one, you go on to the 201 class. Disciples making disciples, going out, changing your life. God is changing your life so that you can go forth and help somebody else be changed, amen, and grow, because God wants to use us. He wants to send us out to be disciples and make disciples of all nations, and we have a goal here at Metro Praise. Our goal is 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Come on, give him some praise. He's good. You know God is a good God, right? We serve a good God. It's now time to prepare to give our tithes and offerings. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. We are on lesson number 14. Offerings reveal where our treasures are. The offerings we give reveal where our treasures are. We know that tithing is 10% of our total income. Anything that we give after that is a gift unto God. That is called our offering. And you get to choose where that offering goes to. You say you want it to go to missions. Just circle missions on your envelope. You want it to go to the building fund. Circle building fund on your envelope. And God is going to use it here at Metro Praise. And so if you're with me, let's read in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. So number one, the first point is don't store up treasures. Treasures on earth don't last. I like this illustration. When you see somebody die, when you're going on a funeral, you don't see a U-Haul truck following the hearse, do you? Because you can't take up everything that we've stored, right? And so it says, whatever you store up down here will be destroyed. So don't allow worldly treasures to have your heart. It's okay to have good things. We all want good things, right? But if it has control of our heart, that's not a good thing. So what are we to do? We, number two, we are to store up heavenly treasures. Use your earthly wealth to support the work of God so you will be rewarded with eternal treasures in heaven amen so when you're storing up treasures and you're giving uh, and you're giving offering that's storing up treasures when you're giving money to go to the mission field for people to hear the word of God many will be saved many will be impacted by the preaching of the gospel you are storing up eternal treasures in the kingdom of God number three treasures determine your heart wherever you store your treasure I'm sorry, where you store your treasure is where your heart is. Therefore, what you do now will determine your eternal destiny. Amen. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning. In summary, store up treasures for yourselves in heaven by being a giver. You're saying, how do I apply this? I want to give. I want to do good. I want to be faithful to what God is calling me to do. Number one, start by being a faithful tither. Give 10% of your total income. Be faithful in that. Number two, live a life of generosity. Just give. Just say, God, you've freely given and fr given me, so freely I will give to others. You know, look to see in your life where God will use you in generosity, and I bet you God will open up doors for that. Number three, believe one day you will be rewarded for all of your acts of love and sacrifice. You might say, you know, I'm doing so much good. I'm giving. I'm giving. Nobody sees. Guess what God sees? God sees what's done in secret, and one day your acts of love, your acts, your gracious sacrifices will be rewarded by our Heavenly Father. So let's recite this together over our offering. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Amen. Once again, when you give your tithe that goes to the general fund here at the church, we're paying for the bills, we're paying for gas in the vans to pick up people all around the city of Chicago. That's where your tithe goes. And then you're offering, you're saying, God, I want to give more. And God has put an amount for you to give. Well, you can circle, once again, missions or building fund at the end of 2014. We're taking a trip to the Philippines, amen? We're going out and we're having a mission trip. We're going to go leave it all out there. And so, so far we've raised 11000 We want to put that back up there? Come on. Just a good reminder. We raised $11,000, amen? Last month, just a reminder, we raised 1714 And so what we have left is $8,675. God is good. He's faithful. And this trip is about him. So we know that God's going to provide the seed that we need, amen? And 
And so let's recite the scripture together, Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you because you are a good God. God, you bless your children. You favor your children. And I just pray, Father, for the seed to be provided that we would be able to sow into your kingdom, that we will reap eternal treasures in heaven, dear God. In Jesus' name, we thank you so much for all that you're doing and we pray for continual blessings, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Come up as you give. Amen, amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a woo-woo? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say it's summertime swag. Woo! We are so comfortable up in this thing, aren't we? We got, man, we got our shorts on, short sleeve shirts. We've got the fans blowing. I'm just wondering, can I dress like this in the winter? Because I just feel so much more comfortable, man. I really do. Tennis shoes. I cannot tell you, like, I don't know if some of y'all got stand-up on your job, but standing up here in those nice, cool shoes sometimes hurt my feet so much. And these tennies feel so good. They, I mean, I just want to, like, run faster and, like, hop around. I'm excited. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. We are just so glad that you're here during the summer. I want to thank everyone for giving faithfully to the missions fund. We are planning right now to get ready for December. So we're making sure we're getting all of our ducks in a row. Every dollar counts. Thank you. And so because of your generosity, we're already getting our plane tickets. So we're going to get them because of your generosity. And that's why we're raising it in advance. Also, I want to let you guys know on our website and at the, uh, the NPI Facebook page is the baptism video. And I want to give it up for Rudy for making that video wherever Rudy's at. Thank you, my brother brother. So check it out if you were baptized. It's going to be awesome. And then I just want to make a clarification. Pastor Griselda did awesome on the announcement. Let's give it up for Pastor Griselda every week. Amen. But there's one clarification on Glenn Boom Boom Badonsky. He is not a pastor. He is a prophetic evangelist. Amen. So let's just give it up for a prophetic evangelist coming. Amen. I just want to make sure we get his title right because when he comes here, he's not going to help you like, you know, just like underline scriptures in your Bible. He's, he's not going to just do the work of a pastor. We got great pastors around here. He's going to give you an on-time prophetic word. God has done so many miracles when he comes because we believe in prophetic ministry here. I don't believe in 1-900-Psychic-Hotline, Madam Cleo. I believe in what God's saying. Amen? I believe in what God's saying. And there has been so much validation of his ministry. Because I know this freaks people out when you say that a guy's going to come that hears from God on your behalf. That freaks people out. And we do teach in this church that you need to hear from God on your own behalf first, okay? So never take a man's word over what God is saying to you through the word, okay? But 
just to give you one validation of his prophetic word, when um, he came about two years ago, we were just going through a time where a lot of our uh, women in the church were going through miscarriages, and specifically Jessica had, had just really suffered a miscarriage, and they had a baby born prematurely, Hezekiah, and, 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 had, and he passed and went to heaven, and her heart was just so broken, and she was still believing God for children, and, and Glenn came and pointed her out and said, I'm going to believe God for a fruitful, fertile womb, and the moment that he did that, I said, but, but, but Brother Glenn, there's more people here that have just gone through like miscarriages. I know Rachel had gone through one, Ricky's wife, and we said, let's bring them all up here, and then he said, whoever wants to believe God to be fertile, come on up here, and there was about seven of them, how are six of them, five of them, I don't know many, I'm getting evangelistically right now speaking, there was 20 of them. Forgive me, Jesus. I always tell people I don't lie. I just exaggerate because I get away with it because I'm a pastor. But no, seriously. Okay, anyways, I don't believe in that either, so I correct myself. I think it was five, right, technically five. They all came up, all got prayed for. All of them had their babies nine months later healthy, and today they're probably in the back serving Jesus. Amen? Now, if you've never had a situation like that, you can't understand or relate. But if you've been through that, you understand how important that is to have a family and all of those good things. And then there's many here, talk to your life groups, many here that have had prophetic words spoken over their life when he has come. Lily, I'm looking at Sister Lily, Sister Soldier up in the house. Come on. I remember Sister Lily, the first time uh, she came with Brother Glenn, it was at the Salvation Army Retreat Center. Remember that? And he just told us, he said, you know what? I don't want you guys to get you. Just, you know, on the bobo of my ministry and just wait for me to come around to hear something special from God. He said, I want you all just to lay out right now in the presence of God. Just find a place to lay out and pray. And God gave Lily a dream and a vision to go plant churches and change the world. And this woman of God is going to fulfill that purpose. Come on. Amen. So whether or not you need a fertile anointing, and this is only for married folks, okay? We're, we're not having 16 and pregnant up in here. Amen. That's on MTV. That ain't, that ain't, ain't MPI. But if you need a fertile blessing, if you need to hear the Lord speak to your heart, just come expecting to do that. And if the man of God doesn't say anything to you, that's all right because the son of God is always here. Amen. You may just get boom shakalaka just hanging out. Just because you came hungry, boom shakalaka. That's what we're talking Boom shakalaka shakalaka shakalaka. That's, you got to go back to the late 80s, 90s for that, young people. Some people know what I'm talking about. So we just, we ripped that out of the 80s, and we put it up right now in 2014, and we made it for Jesus. Amen? So anywho, just come expecting. I'm excited. Matthew chapter 7, today's message, the narrow and the wide gate. Oh, come on, somebody. We're going verse by verse through the whole Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're now at the verses 13 and 14. So look in your Bible, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. If you're there, can you say I'm there? All right, let's do it. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let's go to the introduction because I want you to catch this. I got this out of my commentary as I was preparing the message. Those of you who have tracked with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we're at the end now. Jesus is now giving you three illustrations to show you that you're going to choose good versus evil, his way or your own way. 
There's three now illustrations he gives us. The first one is the wide and narrow gate. The next one, false prophets, true prophets. And the last one is those who claim to follow him and those who don't by building their words, uh, building their house either on their own life or on his words. So now everything that you've learned is coming to the culmination right now. So remember, we learned about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We then learned the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven. We learned to forgive our enemies as we've been forgiven. We've learned, just like it said today in the message uh, for offering, that comes from Sermon on the Mount, to seek first the kingdom of God and to not store up treasures on earth but in heaven. Is everybody with me? Now Jesus is saying at the end, here's my first illustration to help you know it's two paths. Which one are you going to take? So it gets really practical now. And it's not even just for all those who have been here to hear the messages. It's for everybody. Which path are you going to take? But specifically, if you've been following us since around the beginning of the new year and you've been hearing all these messages, you now know there is a clear mark, a clear direction that you're supposed to take. And if you don't, you will suffer for it. I want you to be today informed so you can make the right decision. Amen? The interpretation, let's just go there because i got a lot to share today. It's very simple, such a powerful message, but yet I want to make sure everybody gets it today. Point number one, the wide gate gate leads to destruction and many enter it. That's what Jesus said. This right here, my friends, is probably for me one of the saddest verses I have ever read in the Bible. And I want you to pause and I want you to think about it. And see if it strikes your heart the same way. Jesus said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many are those who travel on it. Why does that bring great sadness to my heart? Because Jesus told us that Christians will be in the minority. He said about the narrow gate, it's few, but the wide gate, it's many. So right now, I need everybody's attention to understand this. You are going to be in a minority in this culture. I do believe that God can still save Chicago. I believe that violence can stop on our streets. But at some point before Jesus comes back, it will only get worse and darker and darker. At some point, an antichrist will rise up. He will force people to worship him. And those who don't will be beheaded. And those here today who believe in the rapture, we may not be there for that time that happens. But the thing is, we're going to watch that massive buildup of darkness. So I don't know how many revivals or second and third chances God is going to give Chicago. I can't promise that. I hope there's one more. I hope there's another outpouring of God's spirit upon this city. But what if right now God is saying, I'm done and I'm counting down the clock to me bringing them home. This is their last year. What if it only gets darker? What if it only gets harder? I still believe we can see a great harvest, but I'm just saying, what are you going to do in your faith with your walk with God when the majority of the people you know reject Jesus? Would you put up the graphic that I have here? It's a cartoon, but man, it puts the fear of God in me because it shows it so clearly. There is a wide path, and it's leading to destruction. And there's a narrow path that's leading to eternal life. But that wide path is full of many people. Make it clear to your life right now. Make it plain to yourself. Don't hide it or sugarcoat it. Hear what Jesus is saying. If many are going, then that means when we speak to families, many in our family are going. 
That means we speak to the communities. Many in our communities are going down the wide road. Many in our culture, in our generation. I start thinking about my Catholic relatives, and yes, I love them and I care for them, but they don't have a live and active born-again relationship with Jesus. They have a dead religion praying to saints that don't hear them. They haven't been taught that they have to be born again into the kingdom of heaven, and yet that was Jesus' key message. And I, I'm broken for them today because it's only my father and his sister that broke out of that tradition. And so the many that's left in my family, they're not following Jesus. And then I look to the, to the people that I grew up with and went to high school with and, and the friends that, I mean, I just love them. I care about them. You know what I'm talking about. You just, you love people in your life. And even though you're a Christian, of course, that doesn't change. You love them more. But I'm thinking about them now, and I'm brokenhearted. Out of all of my friends, I'm one of the few that's actually married. So many have given themselves to sexual immorality. They already have different children with different women. Then I look at their lives. Their lives are full of idolatry, and though they may not have a Buddha in their house or a statue of Hare Krishna, they worship their job, they worship their sports, they're putting up their vacation pictures right now, like, oh, we're in Boca Raton, oh, we're in Parque de Vallarta, oh, here we are. Here we are living the life. I just saw a picture today, I won't even name it, just in case they ever watch this message, but I'm just looking at them, and they're just you, just, you just take a snapshot of that profile pic they put up, and what it's just saying is, we're living the good life, but they don't understand, they're headed towards destruction. They don't understand it, they've been blinded by this world, and it breaks my heart. I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with my family friend that I knew from preschool, preschool. And I see her picture up today. And it's not even like she's, oh, here I am living lascivious and dirty and filthy. No, she's just living a good life, but it breaks my heart because she doesn't know that her good life is going to end. And I don't want to skip ahead, but I, I see it all as one because these are three warnings. Jesus gives that illustration of the man who, who doesn't build his house on his word, builds it on the sand. Well, I used to live in New Orleans and travel up and down the Gulf Coast. I've been to every, almost every beach from New Orleans to Miami. And I have fished there and caught big fish and sharks, by the way. I love catching sharks. Oh, man, you'll see the most beautiful homes. They're luxurious. They're beautiful. But they're just feet from the beach. When Hurricane Katrina happened, that hit so close to home because I had already left and moved up here. But I understood exactly where those places were. I had been to those beaches, Grand Isle. I had fished at that beach, Mobile Bay. I had been there. Pascagoula, Mississippi, I had been there. They were wiped out. And I'm just thinking to myself, people are building their lives on sand. And I'm not so much concerned in the deception sense of the homeless one-eyed Willie who's on crack today because I don't think he's deceived. He probably pretty much knows his life's messed up. The one that I'm broken for today is the one who has no idea that cliff's coming. The college graduate, the one that's keeping on track with their 401k, the one that loves their kids. The one that made sure they worked hard so they could send them to private school. I'm concerned about my neighbors. 
who think their little bit of yoga and Buddhism is going to help calm and cool their life down a little bit. And they're not understanding that path leads there too. And I know people get upset when preachers like me talk like this. They want pluralism. They want to say, well, Joe, all those paths have got to lead to heaven. That's not what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said is what I believe. If I tell you a lie and it feels good, do you applaud me for being a liar? Don't listen to your feelings. Your feelings can deceive you. You know it feels good to eat that chocolate cake, but your feelings are deceiving you. It's not good for you to keep eating that chocolate cake, right? Come on, somebody, pray for me. Oh, my friends, the ones that I am hurt for today are the ones who don't see the cliff is coming. Like the one who's built his house on sand, who doesn't hear the rain coming. The storm is coming. It comes to both houses. We're, here's the thing about life. Relax, because no one's getting out of here alive. <laughs> right? Just relax. You're not getting out of here alive. So here's the thing. We're all dying to get out of here. And a lot of people don't understand what happens when that moment comes. And you know what the other illustration that Jesus gives, and I know I'm skipping ahead, but I'm just trying to speak from the heart today, is he talks about false and true prophets. People who tell you otherwise represent that false message. People who get on TV and tell you otherwise, write books and tell you otherwise, are lying to you. And, and a lie may not be an intentional lie. It just may not be the truth they know. But if it's not true to the facts, it's still wrong. So, so give you an example. Oprah Winfrey, may, Oprah Winfrey may not know she's telling lies. She may really believe it, but she's a liar. She's not leading you down the right path. She's not teaching you that Jesus is the only way. Is everybody with me? Today, with people in other religions, they may not say, well, I'm a liar. You know, I know Jesus is the way, but I'm still going to talk to you about Muhammad. I'm no, but what they're telling you, if it points to the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, if it points to these other things, that is a lie. And Jesus says, they're both going to be there on Judgment Day, the false prophet and the true prophets. Who are the ones you're listening to? Because I feel like today in this church, I feel like I'm right there at the crossroads. And I'm just talking to both crowds as they're coming by me. And I'm saying, choose the straight and narrow. And young people may be walking by me and they may be saying, but pastor, all my friends are on this road. My parents are on this road. My relatives are on the wide road. And I have to tell them, stop, it's not worth it. Jesus even said you may have to forsake your mother, father, and brother to follow him. Listen to this song that I think describes the highway to hell so perfectly. ACDC wrote a song, The Highway to Hell. Living easy, loving life, season ticket on a one-way ride, asking nothing, leave me be, taking everything in my stride. Don't need reason, don't need rhyme, ain't nothing that I'd rather do. Going down party time, my friends are going to be there too. I'm on the highway to hell. You know what I'm talking about if you've heard that song. Oh, he says it so well. Oh, of course, it's got the 80s twang to it. It sounds silly in some places. Oh, but he captures the heart so perfectly. 
It captures the heart so perfectly. I'm living an easy life. I'm taking the easy path. I'm taking everything with me. Leave me alone. Leave me be. Let me love who I want to love. Let me have sex how I want to have sex. Let me be and spend my money how I want to do it. Let me believe what I want to believe. I'm taking everything in my stride. See, why is the wide gate so wide? Because people get to carry whatever they want on it. They get to carry their ambitions, their dreams, their family, whatever they want for their selfishness. And I say family, but you have to understand, your family becomes an idol when you put it before God. My parents didn't choose to put me before God. They put God before me, and now I serve that God. So be careful, parents, how you look at family. A family is a gift to you for a short life, but your life lasts for eternity. So if you don't put God into their heart and teach them, they will perish forever in hell. And that college education, that new bike, or that new home counts for nothing. All good parents will tell you that. All good parents will tell you that. But look at the narrow gate that leads to everlasting life. It's narrow. Why? Because you can't carry anything on it. You can't do it with the buddy system. Jesus said, unless you deny yourself, you can't be my disciple. Right now in culture, everybody wants to teach you how to find yourself. Discover yourself. Do it for yourself. In business, be a self-made person. And these principles now come into our spirituality. Well, I can do it myself. I don't need church. I don't need a holy book. I'll do the buffet of religion. I'll choose a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Krishna, a little bit of Buddha, with some Muhammad on the side. This is my religion. But no, the narrow way says it's his way or no way. And look at a man who wrote about the narrow way. His name is Sundar Singh. And he was born into the Sikh family in India, a Sikh religious family in India in the late 1800s. And when he accepted Jesus into his life, as a teenager, his parents disowned him. His, his dad disowned him, and he had nowhere else to live. He had to go live with the Christian missionaries. And this is the song he wrote to describe the narrow path. I have decided to follow Jesus. And it repeats, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. He made a choice. Go put the picture up, please. He made a choice to take that narrow path even when it cost him his family. They turned their backs on him. But he said, I can't turn my back on Jesus. He would rather be a friend of God and an enemy of this world than to be a friend of this world and an enemy to God. I understand there's a lot of complexity in the social issues we're we're dealing with from homosexuality to abortion to living together before marriage to all of these different things. And I'm actually, after this sermon series, by by God's grace, going to talk about all those issues in depth so that you can understand them and help share them with your friends. But listen to me, my friends. At the end of the day, the standard doesn't change. I can give you 100 verses 
apply it 20 different ways, show you Jesus, Paul, and Peter, and John all saying the same thing. But if your heart is not willing to walk on that path, you'll make every excuse to stay on your path. It's a choice. And the thing that I want you to hear about Jesus' words, go back to it, please, is this is the part that as I feel compassion, I also have hope. In verse 14, it says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Yes, it grieves my heart that it's only a few. But what gives me hope is it says you can find it. You can find this path. You can find a way out. You can see that there is hope beyond the scope of your human limitation. You can see that there's a God who loves you and cares about you. And though you've made all these mistakes and have done all these things wrong or been through all of this pain, there's still a way out. There's still hope for you. God has not given up on us. He's saying if you'll find it, if you'll seek it, you'll find it. He says that I will deliver you and I'll give you everlasting life. And so to me, that brings me hope. Why? Because I need that path. I need the path of Jesus. And if I have to strip down everything to be on that path, I'm not complaining. I'm actually grateful. Why? Because the things that I carry in my life, if it's not for God, they're going to hold me back anyway. I don't want to be a husband my way. I want to lay that down and be a husband's God's way. I don't want to be a father my way. I want to be a God's way. So I want to lay down my pride. I don't want to look at worldly wealth my way. I want to look at it God's way. These habits and addictions that many of us have had in our life, whether it's the man to pornography, to bitterness and anger within your heart addicted to your own pain, or whether it's the addictions of a substance, a drug, an alcohol, or the addiction of relationships, you can never be single. All of those addictions, Jesus is saying, when you get on that path, I set you free. Every chain is broken. You're emancipated. Put that illustration up for me. Help me preach. Come on. I want you to think about your life right now and write down in those notes, if you can, three people you know that are on that path of going to heaven with you and three people you know that you care about that are not on that path with you. Because I want you to think about those that you're around right now in your life. Maybe those three who are with you are in this church. Maybe they're in your family and you're like, my wife is going with me, my kids are going with me. And I want you to think about them as I begin to talk. And then I want you to think about those who aren't going with you. Maybe it is a parent, a family member, somebody you grew up with, and you know you care about them, and you know they're not going with you. I want you to think about them. I want you to think about both. And I want you to hear this today and tell me what you think when you look at these two groups of people. Listen to this illustration that God gave me. As you look at this path and think about people, because we're multi-cultural, uh, multi, uh, we can do this. We're multitasking, and we're multicultural. Praise God. Listen to this as you think about those two groups. Sin is a disease. Jesus is the cure. Sin is an addiction. Jesus is the remedy. Sin is a prison. Jesus is the deliverer. Sin is a slave master. Jesus is the emancipator. Sin is a stain. Jesus is the cleansing. Sin is a lie. Jesus is the truth. Sin is destruction. Jesus is restoration. Sin is death, and Jesus is life. Now, as you think about those two groups of people, 
Have you seen God's word be fulfilled in their life, both positively and negatively? When you look at those people who are on that narrow path with you, are you seeing Jesus set them free from their sins and God deliver them and change their lives? I mean, that's the most encouraging thing that I ever get to see as a pastor is watching people's lives change. I think about Ulysses, how he came to this church. God changed his life. He was delivered and set free from sin. He was cleansed. He was given life. I mean, it's powerful. Look at Steve and these men that are here. And then also, as I said, I look at my friends, and I don't see them free from sin. I don't see them free from the, from the bondage of the master of sin. I see them in bondage, and guess what? I want to see those friends come to this path. And I want the friends on this path to help me stay on this path. So what do we do? We walk with the ones on this path, and we keep each other accountable, and we encourage each other. And those who have not chosen the right path, we plead with them. While we still have breath in our lungs, choose the narrow way. Look at the application, and then I want to ask you to, do a few more things and practicalities today because I don't want it just to be head knowledge. Look at the application. Number one, reject the wide gate. How many are going to reject the wide gate? That's pretty obvious, right? Let me give you a clear way to how to do that. Look at Matthew 13, verse 19. Make that decision today to say whatever the world is, I don't want, and whatever Jesus is, that's what I want. Think of it like this. I want what Jesus wants, and I don't want what he don't want. Does that make sense? Or put it simply, I love what he loves and hate what he hates. Look at Matthew 13. Does anybody remember the parable that Jesus told about the different seeds being sown and then them growing and some dying? And it's like he says, this is what salvation's like. It's like a farmer. He plants seeds. Some seeds grow up and they produce fruit. Others they don't. And then he explained the parable and he said, let me tell you, the farmer is the preacher. The seed is the word of God. And the different results of the seed are the different hearts of people. But watch this one heart where the devil comes and takes away the seed. Look at this. Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, somebody say the kingdom. Thank you. And does not what? Understand it. The evil one comes, snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown among the path. So I want to encourage you today. Why is it that there's people we can preach to, they hear the same exact word that you and I hear, but they don't do nothing with it? They're just like, I don't got time for that. I don't believe that. I believe what Beyonce said. I believe what Oprah said. I believe what my favorite sports star said. I believe what my grandma, grandpa, mom said. I pray to the mother of Guadalupe. That's what I, you know, because this is what I was taught. Why is it when you tell them, go to Jesus only, there are just some people like, no, I don't need to hear that. Bible said, don't put no other gods before him. Don't make idols. Oh, but no, that's, you know, they don't want to, you know, they hear it, but they don't want to do it. Or you talk to somebody, they're having sex before marriage, and you say, this is what the Bible says, Galatians 5, sexual immorality is a deed of the flesh. You can't do it and live in it and inherit the kingdom of God. They hear it, but they don't do it. Anybody ever talk to anybody like that? If you're sitting next to a neighbor like that, just nudge them right now and say, this is for you. <laughs> so I'm like scared to do it right now. No, I ain't doing that. But think about that. We, we, we preach. We preach. We, we say, to talk to the men. Let's make it more personal. Don't look at pornography. It's a sin. It's uncleanness of the heart. The Bible says in Matthew, we learned it here in Sermon on the Mount, if you lust after a woman, it's the same as committing adultery. Was that in the Bible? That was in the Bible before BigHooters.com, wasn't it? 
So if you go there and you look at that and you have that in your heart, the Bible calls you an adulterer. Now, why are there people? Well, let me just give a few more because I still feel like preaching. Come on. Why is there people that hear about abortion being murder and still want to have abortions? If it's not a baby inside of you, what is it? What does it become in nine months? A worm, a dog, a, a cat, a dinosaur? All of you were once that. So what is that? It's a human being. If we found life on Mars, we'd be throwing a big party and sending up billions of dollars of satellites up there. We find life in here and we kill it. But then you tell people that's a sin and yet they want to argue with you. Call it their body. Well, if it's your body, how come that body went into the garbage and you walked out? If it was your body, you wouldn't be breathing no more because it ain't breathing no more. What's in your body ain't your body, and it deserves to live to have a body. Amen? We tell people that. And I'll just keep giving examples. And we look at life, and we tell these people, we, we preach, we used to be like this, but why is it some people here, maybe used to be like this, and they don't do it? Can I just tell you what Jesus said? Somebody say, make it plain is because they don't apply their heart to understand it. They don't seek to find the narrow path. They say, oh, I'm on the wide path. And we're saying, no, there's a narrow path out of here. It's through Jesus Christ. Here's the word. But they don't want to understand it. They don't want to apply their common sense to it. How many of you, don't be ashamed and don't raise your hand because I don't want you to be embarrassed. But how many of you, like me, I'll put myself in this category, used to do a lot of sins in the Bible and didn't feel bad, that the Bible calls sins, and didn't feel bad about it? Some of you can't help but raise your hand right now. <laughs> oh, hey, I didn't feel bad about fighting. I mean, if I fought the wrong person, I felt bad about fighting. You know, but if you had it coming, I felt great about fighting. Thank God there wasn't YouTube back then. I would have been taping all of them fights, put it on YouTube, right? You think, I mean, come on, let's keep it real. You think I felt bad about having sex? Like I went home that night like, oh, man, oh, I'm so depressed. What's wrong, Joe? With like one of my friends that I was living with, what's wrong, Joe? Oh, man, I just had sex with a girl at the club. Dude, I'm just so mad. You think that's how it was? Y'all forget what it was like to be a sinner? Come on. We were just like it. We loved sin. Sin was our best friend. Now, of course, there were some sins we didn't like. Like when I was locked up, I didn't want the sin of being raped. <laughs> it's like, did I believe in this? the Bible? Look, the Bible says, don't you rape me. Don't you rape me. Hello. Like, then I'll become all religious. Because there's some sins I'm going to call you out on, right? But, hey, I mean, let's just be real. For the most part, we had our own sins that we loved. And on that wide path, we weren't going on there all sad and upset. Put up the, 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 uh, the thing. And whenever I go back to preaching, just put that cartoon thing back up, please. When we were on that path, we were doing the electric slide. We were singing and grooving. Some of y'all at the club last night, you, you're not like, oh, I'm at that. You're like loving it. You think when ACDC sings that song, Highway to Hell, you think there's three people in the audience going, y'all lame? There's 100,000 people in the audience chanting it back. I'm on this life. I'm going to do it like this. Nobody going to tell me anything. I got my stride. I'm bringing it all with me. I'm having a party. But why is that? Because we're ignorant. We're ignorant. We don't understand what God is speaking to our heart. And what does the devil do in our ignorance? Snatches up that word. Snatches it right up. 
and says, shh, 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 don't you think about this. Don't you think about that no more. I'll get you busy in your job making money. Don't think about this no more. I'll get you busy having all the girls and guys. Don't, don't you think about this no more. Don't think about it. Go to Romans 10. Come on, I want to show you what we got to think about, though. Amen? Everybody say, to hell with the devil. He can go down that highway path all by himself. Amen? He ain't taking me or my family. Amen? And if he want to fight for it, it's going to get nasty up in this thing. Amen? Because the Bible said, I got a shield. I got a sword of the spirit. I will go Sparta upon this thing. Amen? Oh, oh, praise God. What are you? I'm a churchgoer. I am a priester on Christer and Sunday. What is MPI? We soldiers and disciples, baby. We a terror to the devil. Amen. The devil got some folks scared. Amen. No, no, no. We terrorize the devil. Praise God. All by Jesus, not by myself, because I'm a wimp without Jesus. Amen. Because no physical weapon works against the devil. Oh, but this is what we need. We need the word of God. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is where the confusion comes in. I want everybody to hear this with this scripture up here. For you to switch paths, it's not for you to do more religious stuff. It's not even for you to try to become a good person. The path is switched based on what you believe. If you believe that Jesus' path is the path for you and it was purchased by the blood of the cross and he raised again on the dead to give you eternal life, he will transform your life based on that faith. And then because you have been saved, you can obey the commands of God. When I got saved November 5th, 1995, I didn't work my way up to salvation like I was on some progress bar waiting for something to download on my computer. 20% done. Come on, thing. 40% done. Anybody know what I'm talking about, those progress bars on your computer? Like you are taking forever. I didn't come to Jesus and Jesus goes, okay, here's the road of salvation. You do these 20 things and then I'm going to your way up to glory. So I had to stop cussing. I had to start, you know, speaking this and stop doing this, start doing this. And then I checked in with him about a year later, and he goes, okay, you're about 20%, son. Keep going. You know what I liken that to? I liken that to you trying to earn something that somebody gives for free. So imagine my mom on Christmas Day gave me a Nintendo. She said, it's yours. And I said, well, do I have to mow the lawn to get it? She says, no, it's yours. I said, do I have to clean the house to get it? No, it's yours. At some point, she will slap me upside the head, sit me down, say, play with the thing. It's yours. Now, after I play with that little Super Nintendo, what's she going to say? Now it's time to clean this. Now it's time to do that. But when somebody gives you a gift, if it's truly a gift, it's not attached to something you do. And it's the same thing with salvation. God is not saying, do all these things, then I'll save you. No, he's saying, come to me now as you are, and I'll save you to do everything I want you to do. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth you confess, profess your faith, and are saved. Look at verse 11. Anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, Pastor, i got so many friends on this wide path. I've got so much temptation on this wide path. I know if I try to walk on this path, I'm going to fail. These people are going to laugh at me. I'm going to let you down as a pastor. And I just have to go, shh. It ain't about you. 
It's about him. It's his name that's at stake. You don't got to be embarrassed because you're living for Jesus and you fall. Get back up. The Bible says though a righteous person falls seven times, they get back up. Two months ago, you didn't even care. Praise God, you care now. Amen. Let that be a sign to you that you actually care. Some people slip up and cuss it. They go, man, see, I'm not really changed. No, you at least knew that you cussed. Before you were cussing all the time, didn't even know what was coming out of your potty mouth. Hey, at least you care now. God is showing you he's changing the heart. Now watch this right here. Look at what it says. Anyone who believes will never be put to shame because there's no difference between Jewish person, Gentile, which is a non-Jew. The Lord is Lord of all. Amen. He's Lord of all the nations and richly blesses. How many want to be richly blessed? All who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just call on Jesus. When I came to Jesus, I was on drugs. I had drugs in my pocket. I was living with a girl I wasn't married to. But I knew one thing for sure. I didn't want to take one more step on that path. I knew one thing for sure. I didn't know all the Bible verses. I didn't know the difference between Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I didn't know any of that. But I knew one thing. I couldn't keep being like this. And there was a Savior that promised me a chance to change. Man, I'm going with him. If he just promised to change me, I'll go with that. I didn't care if I got to have a house, got married, all these things that God now has given me. All I wanted then was just a different life. See, that's childlike faith, isn't it? When a child just simply says to the parent, I just need something to eat. You know, that's what God is talking about. He's just saying, can you trust me for what I'm trying to give you? Now watch, keep going, because here's the other group that comes in. This is for us right here. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Because there's people that don't believe in this, right? And they don't understand. They don't understand. They don't understand. It says, how can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone telling them, someone preaching to them? Somebody say, preach. Now look at your neighbor and say, I'm talking about you. Amen. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Connect, mentor, what? Send. How can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, who will believe our message? And verse 17, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and hearing by the word about Christ. Could you put up the illustration quickly in closing? What are we to do? We're to reject that path. We're to say, I'm going to learn what God wants me to do. And the first thing he wants me to do is believe in him. I'm not going to try to earn my free gift. He's given it and I receive it. Now that I'm on this path, I'm going to tell others about it. And it's not up to me whether or not they believe. I'm just going to do my job and let them know. And I'll let them know many times until they block me on Facebook. And I'll keep letting them know at family reunions until they stop sending me them invites. No, I'm just teasing. How many got some people they got to tell about the narrow path? How many want to preach to somebody? And now lastly, number two, stay on that narrow path. Look at Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Lelana, would you come up to the keys, please? please. Look at Luke 13, 22. Jesus says the same parable, or rather, Jesus says the same teaching, but this time in a parable sense, in parabolic nature. Watch what he says right here in Luke chapter 13, verse 22, about there being a gate. 
and it will blow your mind. If it doesn't put the fear of God in you, you don't really believe it. But listen, it, it, it's real. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his Jerus- uh, way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? How many would ask Jesus a question like that? I mean, I would. If you had been with Jesus all this time and you keep watching a lot of people come and go, at some point you're going to want to ask that question like, Jesus, how many are really going to make it? How many have been in church long enough to see people come and go out this building and other buildings and it just breaks your heart? And at some point maybe you even ask in your heart, God, how many are really going to make it? How many are going to make it, Jesus? How many of our youth are going to make it? How much of my family is going to make it? That's a real question. Jesus is compassionate, but listen to the seriousness in his answer because he doesn't dodge it. Remember, he had already taught them prior to this. He had already explained to them, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many travel on that. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few be there that find it, right? Now look at how he illustrates it here. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. How many are going to be saved, Jesus? Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. You better make every effort. You really want to know the answer to that question? Here it is. Make every effort. Don't you put more time into sports than you put into your salvation. Don't put more time on your job and your college. You better make every effort. Don't shut off the alarm of the church bell. You make every, he said, make every effort to enter through that door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. This is not teaching us we work for our salvation. It is telling us that we need to make every effort to secure the salvation that Christ is offering. I believe it's our choice. In other words, I believe it's our choice. So if you don't understand it and I don't understand it, we better sit down and understand it, put some effort in this thing to get it because there'll be no excuse. And then he says, once the owner of the house gets up, closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I see judgment coming, Jesus. Come on, open the door. It's not funny. I believe it now, Jesus. Open the door. He says, you will stand outside the door pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you. Well, where you come from? Then you will say, oh, but come on. We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. We went to church on Christmas and Easter and when they did fun things. I, I was at the youth group. I helped out. I used to go to Sunday school. Oh, come on, Jesus. You know me. You know me. You know me, Jesus. Don't act like you don't know me now. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, all you evil doers. If that doesn't put the fear of God in you, you lack common sense. Because anybody with common sense today hears that and goes, oh my, this is real. Somebody just asked the man, how many are really going to be saved? And that's his response. It's one of terror. That terror.
sacrifice me for my sister who died drinking and driving. The first funeral I ever preached was for my sister. Was she at heaven's door? Was she knocking? Jesus, you know me, Jesus. Let me in. And was she told, depart from me, you evildoer, into the lake of fire prepared for the devil? Was she told that? And was her last words, but you know me, Jesus, but you know me. I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. Jesus, could you have said it any more scary? But I'll tell you what still gives me hope in closing today is what he says right here. People will come from the east and the west and north and the south and will take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. He said, I'm going to take this message to the whole world. That's what he told his disciples. That's why we're here today. That's why there's good churches on, on this in the city all over the streets. Not everyone may be good, but there's a lot of good ones in this city and in this nation and the nations around the world. And what are they doing? They're calling out to people, choose the right path. Choose Jesus while you got time. Make every effort. Because that door's going to close soon. Your life's going to end, and you will have no second chances. And he said, indeed, there are those who will be last, and they'll be first, and first who will be last. You know that we're in this last generation. It's been 2,000 years since he spoke that word. Oh, I thank God for that. I thank God that he didn't forget about America. Thank God that he didn't forget about my family and have someone preach to us. Because I got a ticket. I got a ticket to go on that path through that gate. And I might be coming in last, Peter, but God said I get to be right up in front with you. I'm going to worship God right with you, Peter and Paul. Y'all got in there first. I came last, but God's going to flip it around. There ain't going to be no favorites up there. I get to come and worship with them at that day when he comes back. When all them prophets are there, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's going to be people from this generation that said, I chose that path. And he's going to say to us, come on in. You chose the right path the one that few find, the one that few understand. You heard the word. You believed the word. You took it at what I told you to be true. You made the effort to give me everything, and I gave you what I promised, a new life and life without end. Can we stand to our feet and give them praise right now? Come on, somebody. Would you praise them if you love them? You're not clapping for the preacher. Come on, we're clapping for Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for making a path. And I love this picture, though it may be corny in some ways, but I love it because that path is demonstrated by the cross. So when does salvation begin? Right now. Are you saved partly? No, you're saved all the way. Do you become a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? No, you are made righteous in the image of Christ. You are a new creation. That can start right now. As the band comes, look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 in closing. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, altar workers, would you come as well? We're going to pray for anybody who wants to make that chance, a change today, who wants to make a detour. 
When I used to work at, uh, do witnessing at Belmont and Clark, man, they would love my little one-liner. I'd be like, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? They're like, no, I ain't got time for that. I'm like, so you on the highway to hell as they're walking away? I'm like, so you on the highway to hell, you need to take a detour. And they would turn back and kind of chuckle, you know. They loved it. They got a kick out of that. But one day I said that to somebody. Literally that same thing. Man, you on the highway to hell, you don't want to take a detour? And he stopped. His name was Mike. He said, man, I didn't think of it that way. What are you talking about? And he came back and talked to me. He was a backslidden church kid. He had gone to church when he lived in another state. But when he went to college, he lost his faith in God. Started partying. Got out of college. Got an amazing job downtown with corporate offices all around our country. He would travel all the time. And he said... I honestly just felt like this was going to be my life and I wasn't going to change. He said, but when you said that, I want to hear what you have to say. And I told him, I said, brother, listen to me. The same God that spoke to you when you were in Sunday school is the same God that's here. He said, well, what about all the stuff that I've done? What about all these things that I've done? You know, because I could just tell you was convicted. And I said, listen, God will forgive you. You just got to say, I want to be saved. Do you know that he accepted Jesus that day on the streets? He then started coming to the church. And then he found a church that was right by his community, right by where he lived. By his community, Lord help me. It wasn't by Belmont and Clark, but it was by his community. But I love Belmont and Clark, amen. I'm just qualifying a little bit. (laughs) But I was out witnessing again one day. And he came up to me and he said, Joe, I've been serving Jesus ever since that day you talked to me. Why? Because I shared with somebody how to get off that path and get on the right path. How many people are in your life today that you can encourage to do that? Here's what I want to say to all of us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. See, there's people who have already died and gone before us, and they are like people in the stands that are watching this race that we're running right now in this world. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Everybody say, consider him. Thank you. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Y'all want to focus on Jesus today? When things get hard on your path, what are you going to do? Focus on Jesus. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. When people leave you and they turn their back on you, what are you going to do? Focus on Jesus. Don't give up. What about sometimes when you don't get answers to prayers? What do you do? Focus on Jesus. Don't give up. What are you going to do when church people let you down and they're not your buddy like they said they were going to be? Focus on Jesus and never give up. Make a determination that you're going to finish your race because it's about you and him. Amen? Let's close our eyes in prayer today. Father, I thank you for a very awesome time in your presence today. And I ask you now to speak to our hearts with every head bowed and eyes closed. If you would be honest with yourself, 
Would you look at your heart and ask yourself, am I on the narrow?